Hello, I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the Thursday 905 Roundup. We are coming off a, an exciting episode that we had where we had, I, I think it was our first opposing viewpoints, head-to-head battle royale <laughs> over the exciting issue of Halton Boundary Expansion, um, which a- actually has been getting a, a lot of response, a, lo- a lot of positive response, not from one side or the other, just the fact that we had a good, clean discussion on the facts and just on people's viewpoints uh, from uh, Burlington Councillor Paul Sharman, who is obviously uh, has come out uh, in favor of expanding uh, urban boundaries in in the Halton region, and Halton Hills Councillor uh, uh, Jane Fogel, uh, who is not in favor uh, of expanding the urban boundaries. Um, Roland, what, what were your th- uh, thoughts on? On, on that that different of an episode well yeah i mean i mean it was an, an enjoyable an enjoyable episode to uh to record actually for that reason I mean, we should try to do more and like we, we always try and include multiple perspectives but you know uh we're a small podcast and we're kind of learning how to do this and we we're doing it in the whatever time we have when we've got left over so um but it's definitely uh to hear to Two good opinions, if you if you like, good two well informed opinions that 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 and points well made, um, and not just kind of reduced to either a sambo or a kind of or actually a kind of trying to trip up the other person kind of debate, which which is pretty futile, uh, is is really helpful. I mean, obviously, it's after the vote has happened, but I don't think um, these debates are far from over in Halton or anywhere else. I think. Um, uh, and yeah, I think coming back to that, that that this is not we're, we're in such a polarized frame of mind about everything these days that our inclination is to think this side is right, the other side are evil, and no, that's not the case. I mean, it, it's uh, my personal feeling before this episode was that the situation in Halton region as a whole is more nuanced than. Uh, in Hamilton, uh, it seemed to me that Hamilton, it, it, you know, to, to sort of expand the urban boundaries in Hamilton is, is just an admission of kind of failure and not giving a damn when there are huge acres of parking lots downtown just sitting vacant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, uh, urban downtown intensification and rejuvenation just seems such, so obviously needed and, and available to be to be done. Um that's somewhat different in Halton, where where you know we're not just talking about housing and sprawl, but we are talking about employment lands, and um, and other things. Now, you know, my gut feeling is that if I was in that position, if if I was a regional councillor, I probably almost definitely would have been ultimately on the side of of don't expand the boundary. But that doesn't mean I I don't hear the the arguments on the other side and think well. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, there is no, however many people come to Halton and want to live in Halton, we have to accept them. There's no kind of upper limit on that where you, where you, where you, where you, you know, put a fence across the road and say, no, you can't come in. Uh, and we, um, the, the question is, would the, if the urban expanse, boundary expansion was allowed, would the development that happened on those lands be a damn sight better than what we've put on 
such lands in the past. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I mean Paul, um, Councillor Sharman, I should say, uh, painted a rosy picture of, of um, you know, this, this isn't going to be just single-family homes. It's going to be townhouses wherever. Maybe, I mean, but, you know, you never know until the developer comes forward and says, this is what we want, uh, well, what they're going to ask I, for. I, th you know? I thought uh, Councillor Sherman, I thought, had a really – good argument and it, and he was it was true um people want to come and live here it, it, the halton region and the 905 is a phenomenal place to live and we all live here we all know it we we you'd be a fool not to want to live here um most mostly it's great places to raise your kids raise your family to work work from home uh and just live i can so yeah i'm not surprised that people want to come to come to move here and there's something that he said that I thought is it's true, but I thought his his remedy for the situation is, was a bit off. That was the fact that since people are going to always want to come to live here, and we can't stop them, nor should we. We're just always going to have to consider expanding. There there is no limit. When I asked him, like, what? When do we stop the the boundary? And he said, never. I thought, well, that's. A, that's not true because even even the fact is re, the region of Halton can't expand past its region. It it, it, ha, it actually has like a a fixed border. Uh, now you can keep expanding, but the, but the I think the problem is that attitude. It's kind of what led us to this problem is that we just kept saying, "Oh no, we're just going to build these cookie cutter subdivisions, and we'll just keep building one after the other." Because we just assumed that we always would. And we're now starting to come around to the idea that no, that's not that's not possible. You can't just keep driving out and just you know building in the next subdivision in the next supermarket and the next strip mall and, and whatnot. That this isn't this isn't a sustainable way of, of development. So I can appreciate his concern about the fact that people want to come living here. Very true. Very it's a very real problem. I, I'm not sure his solution is feasible uh for the long-term health of the region um I, I mean i think councillor Sharman would 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 uh not think i was misrepresenting him if i said that he's the kind of guy who believes in market solutions to 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 problems um and and um my feeling is that the housing market is is very kind of dysfunctional for all kinds of reasons um uh not necessarily always because of one person or another person being to blame. It's just, it's a big complicated beast that we, whenever something gets built, you have a whole load of competing interests that are at play. Um, but I mean, ultimately I think, you know, the housing affordability crisis isn't going to be solved by market forces um, because it, it, because it never has been. I mean, you look at other countries right. that have uh, large swathes of, uh, affordable housing stock um that those were usually built by by um by levels of government um well uh, here's the thing like what if, if we leave it to the market the market the easiest the problem with that that mentality that argument i think is that the market when you say well the market will will sort itself out and you say well what does the market demand all oh, the market wants single-use family homes or, or single-family dwellings and, and subdivisions because that's what people buy. And I like I say, yes, but that's really the only thing that's on the market. 
um, you know, if you're like the idea is, oh, you're gonna you're gonna buy you you don't buy uh, a, a condo unit because the idea is, oh no, that's that's temporary. You buy a unit and it's they're only like one or maybe two bedroom units. They're not built for families. They're not the idea isn't oh we're gonna have. Uh, like a duplex, triplex, four-story uh, building that is built to house families, uh, you know, that that kind of living. And so, yeah, the market's going to say, well, if you put, if those are your options, the options are, well, you get a one, uh, maybe one or maybe two-bedroom condo unit in a tower or single-family home. Well, if you're a family of four, the answer is going to be, well, I'm going to take the single-family home because that's, that's what's going to meet my needs. But if you have a variety of different needs, there might be families say, well, I don't need, I don't want the yard. I, I really don't want to spend the property taxes on uh, maintaining a yard and, and that, all that square footage. I don't need, we don't need that. All I want is really space enough for my family to have their stuff, go, go relax at the end of the day, be safe, etc. work from home or go, go hop on the, the highway for a commute, whatever the case may be. We need to. We do need to have more flexible options in the marketplace. If you want that market, the market will provide a solution. And we, I don't think we quite have it yet. Um, and I just, my, I just want to add one final point. Um, I know I, I was saying uh, my problem with Councillor Sharman. I did. I did have a bit of a problem with Councillor uh, Fogel's <laughs> remedy, and it's. It may not, it might be overstepping my bounds, but it's the same argument that I have with all, everybody who wants something different is that we always go back to our ca- city councils. And it's something that we've talked about in this podcast is the power ultimately lies at the provincial levels right now. And what I would have liked to have heard isn't so much, oh, we need to, you know, city council needs to, you know, prove better, better, better solutions. It's we need to organize the various municipalities around the 905 and around Ontario to say, no, enough's enough. We got to, we have to push back and start demanding better options from the province uh, in legislation and give, and give municipalities better powers or better tools to reshape, to shape their communities to provincial standards. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a perennial kind of issue on this podcast. And just coming back to the both the councillors, Councillor Fogel, Councillor Sharman, I thought represented their perspectives very well. It doesn't mean uh, you can agree with them, you can disagree with them, whatever. It was interesting to hear those contrasting opinions so closely together and I thank them both for coming on uh, to take part in that. Um, but, yeah, the perennial problem is, I mean... Uh, Councillor Sharman basically said at the end of his interview, well, the province will, will come and overrule this, uh, particularly mm-hmm. if we assume that, that the current um, government continues after the next election, which may or may not happen. Um, <clears throat> uh, Councillor Fogel was more optimistic, that, thinking that they would respect it. Um, I think they'll respect it until the election's over, is what I think. They're, they're, they're not going to wade into a, a contentious issue right before an election. Um, but um, I would think they'd be happily to wade into it about two weeks afterwards. We'll, um, we'll, find, we'll find out June 3rd. Yeah, and I mean, this is just a perennial problem with, with Canada, with, with, with you know, the 
the weakness of our cities is built right into the constitution um that mm. you know they are um the, the best way of thinking of them is to think of them as as minor departments within the Min- uh, ministry of municipal affairs uh, and that you know they they have this sort of uh democratic aspect kind of pinned onto them but 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 really they they're they're not independent in any um true sense no um, no, no, no other than at, at the gift of the province um and it's an issue i mean i'm not saying that you know clearly councils municipal governments do very often make really dumb uh, judgments uh, and that can be affected by very narrow and, and small interests at a local level however you know you can say the same at a federal level you know i mean governments at every level can be dumb it doesn't mean you throw democracy out out of the uh, window and just say you know well forget it then let's just have a dictatorship you know it, it's it's the best system we've got um and i think with the right circumstances i mean it's almost the weakness of municipal government almost encourages that kind of narrowness and and short-sightedness mm-hmm. because 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 there's the kind of you know the stakes are kind of lower because the province is always there to sort of come in and, and do the unpopular thing for you. I mean we're kind of seeing that with Hamilton right now, where they will let the council will let things go to LPAT, basically knowing fine and well that LPAT is going to overrule it uh, very often as they should. I mean LPAT doesn't always do the wrong thing. Um, uh, they let it go there over issues just, like just, um, just remind our, our listeners it's the Ontario Land Tribunal. Oh now. yeah. Sorry, the, uh, I mean, yes, congratulations well, to anybody well, who can keep up with the name changes, because I can't. Uh, but, th- well, yeah, but the LLT. That's, um, yeah, that's, the, that's, that's it in a nutshell, is that it's, I mean, there's something that I'm hope, we hope that we'll be talking about on future episodes is the pro- the proposed changes uh, that the province is bringing down for uh, uh, their, ha- their housing affordability uh, task force that... Eh, there's good and there's bad in it. Um, part of it is is that you know they you know just push it. I don't know. I, I, well, well, I, yeah, I, think, I mean, getting, that, that, I think we're getting a bit. We're, we might be getting a bit off track track there. But the, the point is that you know we probably, communities honestly want. I think they want the the power to develop on their own. Um. I think you you know if you say if you give them a framework to to move into, uh, and just honestly at some point you just have to trust that they can do it. And um, yeah, may, you know it might not be a matter of developers saying, "Well, I, this is too difficult." It might be a matter of the the developer having to figure out how to build within the confines of what a municipality wants. You can't just say, "Oh, I want to build, I want to build a hundred story condo tower here." Because, yeah, it, it doesn't fit. But you know, it's, uh, it's, if a city says, "Well, no, I want we want this neighborhood to be full of four-story duplex or triplex housing," that's going to be our. De- we're going to start de- densifying this neighborhood. You know, that's your that's your. Uh, th- that's I mean, your one of one of one of the problems that we're facing is because I, I believe it was a um, a Supreme Court decision. Well, 10, 20 years ago, I mean, a long time ago now, the basically said, you know, you, we, the government does not have the right to say where immigrants have to go. Um, they, once you're in Canada, you can live anywhere. Uh, and, and that means that the GTA is, is by far the most kind of attractive location for, for new immigrants to come to. Uh, so, so that's behind some of this. There's like, you know, in, in an ideal world, 
immigration would be, you know, to the benefit because immigration always brings wealth and income to wherever it happens. That's why immigration is such a important thing. Uh, it would be better if that kind of uh, bounty, as it were, was spread across the entire nation. But that would also take the pressure off certain areas where, where you know, there is ex- particular uh, pressure on on housing growth. However, um, you know, basically everybody agrees we need more affordable housing. I mean, housing. There's such broad agreement on that fact, and yet no one can agree on how to actually do it. And and uh, you know, it, it, it's it's. Well, we'll come on to that. Um, that uh, uh, the, the 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 task force recommendations at some some later point, and maybe go through those in detail because they are interesting. They are important. I think if implement, implemented as 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 planned, it would probably be a horrendous disaster, and it's far too geared again to to weakening councils rather than well, respecting we'll that, their role. I think we'll say that for a, I think we'll say that for a future episode. But in the meantime, we're going to take a break. And we'll be back with uh, the later part of our episode in just a moment. Okay, and we are back. Uh, so we're moving on from, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, on a previous topic about uh, boundary issues and the need for denser locations and, and, and whatnot. And it turns out the one place that you don't need, it's becoming a little less dense, is Mississauga. Yeah, that's bizarre. I was really shocked by the statistic today. That so actually it was, it was Alan uh, Can who was a guest last Thursday. Uh, his his newsletter had an article that since 2016 the population of Mississauga has gone down, not by much, but but to go down at all it, 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 for a for a 905 GTHA city is kind of astonishing. Um, mm-hmm. It's gone down by like 3,000, 4,000, something like that, but over f- f- uh, actually more than four years, over six years, uh, which, which just kind of blew my mind. It's like, how on earth have they managed, <laughs> how on earth has that managed to happen when like the, you know, all the growth targets for Mississauga is that it should be heading towards 900,000 at a rate of knots. Um, what, what I thought and, was and interesting the, though is, Sorry, finish your finish your thought. I, I, I think. Well, as I say, I mean, the, the, uh, the um, argument that Alan made was that you know that this is kind of reaping the whirlwind of Hurricane Hazel. If I can, can't make a, a really bad pun there, um, that, that you know that was sprawl central. Um, right. They've built on everything. They've gone out to their boundary, and there's no space now. You know, even even you know, there are plans and talks of of intensific of intensification and in, and in, in kind of redesigning the entire downtown, uh, the central kind of you know square one area of Mississauga, but it's really difficult to do now because you're you're uninventing the wheel, um, quite literally in a way, uh, when you try to do that. So, uh, so then you get the increased prices, and then you know, I think I think. Um, We've talked before about how London unexpectedly has become one of the biggest growth uh, places in the province, um, and perhaps because of those reasons. Well, a it's cheaper. Um, uh, Not and, by much. Um, my, my 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 brother lives out in London. It's I I, I think the uh, what what got me interesting about Missago is that it's an abnormality. Uh, you know, Brampton's population increased ten percent. Uh, I didn't see Oakville or Burlington's uh, on there, but I, I, my bet is that it increased as well. Um, 
Brampton, I'm sorry, Milton increased as well. Like it, it's almost as like everyone left, you know, 5% or 10, sorry, half percent of Mississauga left to go to these other places, uh, boosting up their, their populations. I, I, I mean, I, maybe it's a sign of a trend. I, I doubt it. We'd have to get more, uh, more, more data and another, uh, another census, um, happening but it's that's that's what um, i'd be curious to know if this is a you know if it's going to start a trend i think a part of the problem is you're right mississauga was just sprawl uh central like it it, it for years it was just uh, there's a field let's build some houses on it there's a field let's build a strip mall on it or a plaza or whatever and we mentioned a couple up uh, a couple episodes ago. Mississauga has reached liter- literally reached its limit. It's reached its 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 wall, and yeah, I think I think people look around and say, like, "Well, why why don't what exactly am I owning this giant McMansion in Mississauga? You know, I, I could I could sell it and buy it buy a place in London, or I could buy a place in Kitchener Waterloo or Guelph or or somewhere else." And we, a few months ago, we spoke to uh, Jay Carner um, uh, about Miss Saga, and he, you know, he highlight, highlighted all the, you know, the great things that, that go on. And, you know, uh, uh, Miss Saga is really a community of communities, if you like. There is Miss Saga is kind of doesn't exist, but but there are lots of places within its boundaries. You know, that those you know all those old names that you go on on the, on the go train. Um, that have all kinds of reasons why they they be attractive and, and wonderful places to live, um, but when you say the you know the one thing many of us know is is well certainly anybody's knocked on doors um, during a council election in Burlington. <laughs> what you heard constantly is we don't want Burlington to be like Mississauga, right? And that perception, whether accurate or inaccurate, is almost by the way. It's certainly a feeling out there that this is a badly de- this is a badly designed city. Um, uh, ironically, it's not the high rises that the pro- uh, the problem in, in Mississauga so much as, as the just the ridiculous amounts of sprawl. Uh, yeah, and really, you know, I think it is time to start, re- you know, seriously reassessing uh, Hazel McCallion's legacy, uh, and and you know that kind of completely free free uh, the freedom that that she had for sort of decades on end to just you know just build 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 build. Um, uh, and now, well, the fact that it's it seems to be not the top of the list of anybody's list to to um, to move to, and, you know, and the population's going to increase there. Uh, just, I am astonished that they managed to lose population right as we're going through. You know, all the major transit station right. areas, all the intensification targets, everything that's been going on, they still managed to lose people. It's it's really uh, completely shocking that they managed to do that. But that's the stats from the census. So, um, well, yeah, uh, and, and actually, a, the fact a, that they've dropped means they'll get less money now. Like all those kind of public services were based on the yeah. census numbers. They're going to lose money um, because of that. Now, here's a, here's a question. Do you think it would open up an opportunity for – if you, I mean, we're, we're talking about oh, it's a shock and it's a, it's a tra- tragedy, but maybe this might be the breather that Mississauga has to kind of catch itself and re-figure – and I figure out, okay – how do we want to develop as as a city? Because um, you know, that with that, those opportunities come chance to redesign a city that is a bit more less sprawlish and a bit more 
uh, you know, closer to that 15 minute idea that, that people want. Um, I don't know. Like, do you think that might be a possibility? I definitely, I mean, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with Mississauga that a good marketing campaign can, can fix, you know? I mean, I, I do think there have been huge mistakes in, in planning and development made over the last 50 years or more. Uh, but, you know, uh, there's, there's plenty of cities that have had terrible planning mistakes that are still great places to live. Um, and I think, you know, just, just as Jay, uh, pointed out, you know, that, that, that within Mississauga are all these really interesting communities. Um, uh, it's just that the name Mississauga doesn't really connect anybody with any of that. You just have this kind of fairly amorphous, vague view of the thing that you drive past on the 403 right. or the 401. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, no, there's nothing wrong with Mississauga, but I, I, I do think it, it does need that to, to, to maybe have that kind of, and I think that, the, you know, the, the council has not been good at, I've been to so many events, very often political events are held in uh, Mississauga, you know, party political stuff that will be held at a convention center there. And the mayor, whichever mayor it was, would come and say, oh, yeah, it's a great city of Mississauga, blah, blah, blah. And like, we're all kind of watching a watch uh, to get home because we know we're by the airport and it's not really very attractive. And it's, you know, we'd, everybody would kind of roll their eyebrows when they heard this because like, are oh, you kidding me? Yeah, we're all going to go for a day trip to downtown Mississauga. Give me a right. break. But, but I think if there was a serious attempt to almost like rebrand or explain the city to the wider world um there's actually all sorts of potential there um but yeah i mean they they it, it <laughs> how they've managed to lose people i mean I, I i do not know it's like i almost don't believe it it's like how i guess the, I guess the question will be will will they find them again only time will tell <laughs> the missing mrs sargans <laughs> Oh, that, that's a, that sounds like a good title of a of a of a podcast. <laughs> that that sorry, I'm not, sorry for you. True crime. You know, just, I'm taking mental notes, like you know, a 905 or spinoff. <laughs> anyway, well, um, I think um, we've got one one more story. I think we we thought we'd cover. Today, yeah, yeah, just is small, small, uh, a small, a small one, but it's well, it, 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 I don't know. I I, I thought it was interesting. Um, we are, it interests us because we're more familiar with the local scene, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so it's another Burlington story, um, but it's also a Halton story in that um, the MPP for Burlington, Jane McKenna, has announced that she won't be re- seeking re-election at the next, at the, at, sorry, the provincial election, which is coming up in the start of June, I think, if not before. Uh, June 2nd. Yeah, um, and she's instead going to try and get elected as the regional chair of Halton, um, which, in theory, there's an incumbent. Um, you know, I, I don't want to announce anything that isn't my job to announce, but there's certainly been rumours and su- suspicion that the current regional chair, Gary Carr, who's been around for a good long time, uh, about four terms, something like that, um, is uh, not going to run again. I mean, he hasn't announced that. That's, that's, but there's certainly, I've heard it, you know, muttered. Um, and, and I don't think, well, I would have been surprised if someone like Jane McKenna w- would have run if she thought that Gary Carr was going to run again. Um, 
but um, well, it, it throws a couple of cats among the pigeons. One, I think it means you might actually get an interesting regional election in Halton, which will be a first because uh, there's really never been one. Um, it's it's, um, it's it used to be an appointed position, and then the elections were uh, really um, kind of one-sided affairs uh, uh, every, every time um, under well, the first two I'm, regional I'm chairs. just taking a look here uh, because I wanted to uh – because uh, I mean, the, the big news is that there was a couple of MPPs who weren't running. I mean, if you take a look at the larger picture of Doug Ford's uh, party, there's a there's a couple of MPPs who are not running. Uh, we all remember Rod Phillips, uh, who's former former minister. He's not minister of long term care. He's not running again. Um, and uh, Oh, I'm trying to. I just look. Bill Walker is not running, and Daryl Cramp won't, won't be uh, running as well uh, in the next election. And it's just you know, it, I, I find it, I, I find it interesting that there's a bit of a jump ship from uh, from the from the caucus from the Tories. Now, I, I'm I'm not really surprised that Jay McKenna is uh, is jumping ship. I mean. I don't know. She hasn't really been anywhere. I mean, the, the interesting. I, mean, I, 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 I will. Both of us have reasons to be accused of bias on this this particular story that yes. we've both been involved in aiding people who were trying to get elected to seats that Jane won, um, or in one occasion, just one time in seventy years, lost. Um, but, um, however, however. It hasn't been a um, spectacular rise to the top of provincial politics um, in her two times at Queen's Park. No. I, I found the, th the thing that I found really quite irksome um, was that literally the week after she was re-elected, having uh, defeated uh, Eleanor McMahon, who was the MPP for the Liberals, uh, she 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 ran to become the speaker, which you know, as basically, once you're speaker, you're no longer a politician. I mean, you, you kind of are, but you're not really. You know, you're, you're very much separated out from the job of doing anything. I mean, you, it, it's a peculiar role, um, and it's like, well, so you've just run to to represent the city and to be this amazing new you know, government or whatever, and now you're saying you don't actually want that job, but you, you do want the nice job where you get a huge apartment at the end of the right. of the of the corridors in Queen's Park and you, you know, um uh, and you get to have somewhat of something of a kind of grand life. Um well, it, it, so, I mean, so that, as, and this is kind of in, in that pattern. I mean I'm not, it's fine. Anybody can do it. Obviously she has perfect right to run for speaker didn't win which is you know anyway well I, I, um, the thing is with with speaker it it does come with a lot of responsibility it, it it we don't think it does i think it's just like you know it's a guy in a robe sits at the top of the sits on the throne in the room and says okay you speak now you speak now you speak um it's something like you you have to know the rules really well to be that that speaker i don't think Nothing in, in, in Yeah, no, it's a super important job. It's, a, it's, it's a super important, important job. Just, uh, and you you I, have to be respect. Well, you should be respected by everybody in the house. Well, that's the thing. Uh, regardless I, of party. I suspect. Um, I, I, I generally wonder if, if Jane just uh, feels ostracized in Doug Ford's party. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't. 
if you think about it, the only time we had any minister come to Burlington was when uh, Steve Clark came to announce that he, they were moving the urban growth boundary from or urban growth center from the downtown to uh, the goal, goal lines. Other than that, we've never had you know the minister. The the premier didn't stop by to to make any campaign announcements even before COVID. Um, it was. Yeah, I kind of got the sense that she was kind of almost like a persona non grata uh, at, at Queens Park. Um, like normally, you when you're you you normally get like somebody of some note, some like a high status cabinet minister come by to not you know shake hands and kiss babies and all that, and and give you your your token, you know, big you know the big policy win for Burlington. I got the sense that 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 urban growth center movement was more of a, we'll give you a token win, Jane. Like this, this is, this is a big win that you can use to, to win a reelection. Other than that, uh, don't be, don't bother anyone at the premier's office. Uh, kind of, that's the guy was kind of vibe I got from it. And it's, um, you know, I, I can see, you know, if you're not welcome at Queens park, go, go to the regional chair. Cause you're not gonna, you're not going to win it, a, uh, the mayor seat. It strikes it strikes me as somewhat in character for 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 MPP McKenna to go for a job with a lot of prestige, <laughs> um, but which doesn't come with some of the um, other less convenient aspects of of being a uh, uh, being a politician. You know, but being being. Even a backbench MPP is bloody hard work. Uh, there's a lot of commuting. There's a lot of long hours. Um, so, so you know, I, I respect that. I, you know, I've heard of politicians who've served at other levels of government <clears throat> who would not be a provincial MPP in somewhere like Burlington because, you know, you have to commute. Uh, technically, they're allowed to have apartments or condos or whatever in uh, Toronto. In practice, it's a no-no these days. I think the last MPP who did that was Joyce Saveline, um, kind of fifteen years ago or so. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it is hard work, and so do I blame someone for thinking, well, maybe I can have a more comfortable life doing this? Well, I guess it's a bit unfair, but I, I just don't. You know, regional chair is an important job, and 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 uh, Jane McKenna has not ever been a minister. Um, she's currently an associate minister, but but that's associate minister is not a minister. Um, no, however I, much you might like it to I, be. I think it's clear. She like she, my suspicion would be is she realized this is this is far she's getting in this government. There's there's no path to sitting at the cabinet no, no, table. No, no, no. I mean, and it's like if like, she didn't get any further, she would have done so by now. Yeah. So you know, fine. Like if go go to where people actually want. Want to have you, uh, you know. Kudos to kudos to her, and, and and you know, made the best person win for the the regional chair job. Well, I mean, I think what it what it should guarantee is well, I certainly hope that there is a another person. And this is not for the sake of I want someone to run to beat Jane McKenna. Mm -hmm. It's really a matter of I want people to run for the regional chair who are good people. And, you know, fair enough. Jane McKenna's got, got stature. Um, uh, I would like to see some other people of stature running to make it a real contest this time. And I think that would be great. I think the fact that you know, basically nobody ever talks about regional politics, the fact that we've had an episode today, uh, sorry, 
on uh, Tuesday talking about a really important issue, um, uh, the fact that, um, you know, one politician of, of significant stature has decided to run. And, you know, there are certainly rumors of other people, uh, you know, w with, with serious careers behind them who, who might come forward to run. Um, I hope that happens and that it's a really good contest this time and uh, may the best person win. I think that'd be a really good thing for, for Halton Regional Council. Let's leave it at that for uh, for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, take a if you have if you enjoyed what we talked about, please give us a like, a share, uh, rate us five stars on whatever app you're using, uh, and also take a look at our Patreon and our Buy Me a Coffee pages. Throw us a few bucks if you like. It helps keep the lights on here and keep the uh, uh, well keeps keeps us awake at least. That's appreciated. <laughs> Thanks, thanks very much, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.